Testing, testing. This is Katie. And it's working. I see the waveforms. <laughs> Adam hates everything. All right. Happy I, Saturday. I do have to ask about the countdown. <laughs> Just gave me like the newsroom, like <laughs> five, four, and then just mouth three, two, and one. <laughs> I, just, <laughs> I just like the record to show. <laughs> I just, I want to follow protocol. Is that a protocol in straight audio recording? <laughs> I, I just thought it was, a, are you ready? All right, here we go. I'm pressing record. <laughs> well, listen, we are professionals <laughs> and we are behaving as professionals. You know how you like wear the wear the outfit for the job you want. Well, behave with the level of the podcast that you want. Mm-hmm. It doesn't matter if this is a voice memo on my phone. We we're professionals. Mm-hmm. Poll for the podcasting community. Does anyone get a <laughs> countdown going into there? Sure, they do. I'm sure they do. Um. So here we are. This is our second Adam hates everything experience. Uh, watching one of my favorite movies, which you have refused to watch with me, Clueless. Mm-hmm. So this is the thing I don't understand about Adam refusing to watch this movie, is I while it looks completely shallow and it's all about clothes, it's actually based on the book Emma by Jane Austen, which is a classic. Mm-hmm. And what he doesn't know is that it's very intelligently written. It's a really good screenplay. And yet you still refuse to watch it with me. Yeah. Well, I mean, I can, you know, much like Emma from Jane Austen, I can acknowledge that there is, you know, value and artistry in something that I just have no interest in the subject matter in. You don't even know what the subject matter is. Well, I can see from our blurb here that Cher's tidy world starts to unravel with the sudden appearance of two total Baldwins. That's hunks, if you don't know the 90s lingo. See, I was taking bets on if it were Alec, Billy, or one no, of the lesser no, Baldwins. There aren't any Baldwins in this movie. There are no Baldwins in this movie. There are movie. no literal Baldwins in this movie, but there are lots of Baldwins in this movie, which is a nickname for cute men. There's a lot of lingo I'm going to have to help you with here. Great. Uh, a sexy and stylish new classmate and shares square but cute ex-stepbrother, Paul Rudd. This was like right as he was getting big. So he probably looks exactly the same he looks as exactly he does today. The same. He looks exactly the same. Uh, he's just got to be sucking the youth out of other people to stay what he's. I know for so long. And speaking of Paul Rudd, yes, I just like to acknowledge the fact that the Sex Panther scene from Yes <laughs> Anchorman. I was recently proven <laughs> right. So, in addition to the treat that I get for watching this... The uh, treat. I have to buy you wine. mm Mm-hmm. I also have to get wine. um, Because the... Katie questioned the fraternity man's uh, knowledge of of Anchorman. Anchorman. I'm so naive of me, I know. Which, I mean, that's just never a good thing. Well, so the argument was, with the Sex Panther line, if it's like, 60% of the time, it works... Every some time. of the time. That's, <laughs> I thought it was some of the time. Nope, and it's every time. I know. And you know what? This is like one of very few times that he's actually right, and so he's just going to revel in it, and that's fine. One of very few times. Yes. 
Hardly ever. <laughs> Wait. <laughs> Just get used to it, honey. I'm calling shenanigans. Um, <laughs> right, do we get this mess over with? Uh, yes. So here we are. We have our crunchy snacks. You have your Cheez-It grooves mm-hmm. with sharp white cheddar. Total trash snack. Oh, I'm garbage. Um, I have my Boom Chicka Pop popcorn. And we have our third fizz sticks of the day. Um, so let's get this started. All right. So we finished Clueless. It was so great to watch it again. Uh, for me, that movie does hold up. I do really like it. Um, babe, I know you were not excited to see it. How did you enjoy it? I'm still not excited after having watched it, <laughs> to be perfectly honest with you. Oh, no. You didn't like it? No, I didn't really like it. Really? But why? I I don't know. Rather, I didn't find the writing to be particularly witty. What? That's crazy. You know, I thought the jokes were a little obvious. <laughs> and again, that, you know, Gilbert and Sullivan-esque, like, use of the title, like, ching-ching! <laughs> He's like- so clueless! And then we'll continue with the scene. <laughs> no, I think that was due to Paul Rudd's inexperience. He was the one who said it the most. This was Paul Rudd's first movie, mm-hmm. his first film. And just lends credence to my theory that he's not a real person. He's no, he looks just exactly a hologram. Yeah, he, I'm sure he died and they're like Tupac and they're just, it's a hologram now. I mean, even before he was famous. So you heard it here first, folks. CGI. Yeah, he's, he's the first CGI actor, famous yes. CGI actor. Um, see, I really thought you would like it. So there are a few lines that I remember loving so much, like when she's like, "Well, I remember Mel Gibson accurately," and he didn't say that; some Polonius guy did. You didn't think that was funny? No, to be perfectly honest, I didn't realize that Mel Gibson had ever played Hamlet. What? You haven't seen the Mel Gibson one? No. It's with um. Uh, Glenn Close is his, is Gertrude. And isn't it that one? I think so. I think it's Glenn Close. And that scene between them is like super gross. See, I really only know Mel Gibson from two things. And that's Braveheart and ridiculous amounts of racism. Yeah, but this was... <laughs> um, yes. Well, that... Uh, anyway, she was a Mel Gibson fan. This was pre... This was even pre-Passion of the Christ. Mel Gibson back mm-hmm. in... This was, like, in the What Women Want rom-com phase of his career. So the only pe- people really to make it out of Clueless alive <laughs> were Murray. What's that actor's name? He was in Scrubs later. Oh, yeah. Um, I don't remember what his name is. And Paul Rudd. But he played the same character in this movie as he did in Scrubs. Yeah. I think he just grew up and got a residency at a hospital. <laughs> yes, the sequel. Actually... Scrubs is actually the sequel to Clueless. That's what people don't know. Well, there you go. I mean... I know. And he becomes best friends with an adorable another white guy. Um. Okay, so you really didn't like it. Really you didn't think any parts of it were... Well, and also, you've never read Emma. Nor do you know the plot of Emma. Is that correct? I have never read it. That is correct. And I at one point believed I knew the plot of Emma. I don't think you do. Well, it's the plot of Clueless. But was there a little bit more resolution and inciting incidents in there? I thought this was one of the more poorly constructed movies of the 90s. What? What? I get... As far as plot advancement. We are, going, we are losing listeners as you say this. 
Clueless is a classic. It's a classic. I mean, but a classic doesn't necessarily mean it's high art. <laughs> well, it's not high art. It's not high art, but it is very I, good. I don't know. I thought the conflict was poorly set up. The conflict being... Exactly. Well, okay. <laughs> it's like Arthur. Did you ever see Arthur? It's like any movie where they're, the people are shallow or a hot mess, the whole first half of the movie is like watching them have a grand old time and it's only until like halfway through that they realize they need to reform themselves and then comes the real character arc and she goes through a character arc it's sort of i mean in the last third of act three or as you like to call it act five <laughs> like i mean there was really no inciting incident or driving her to change until the very end of the movie like i didn't identify with her as a character at all because i'm like all right you, you mean you didn't identify with Alicia Silverstone's character in Clueless. I find that so hard to believe. No, but I mean, like, I just didn't really care, if that makes sense. Because there's, like, her, there was no drive to change. Like, throughout the whole movie, she was basically a vehicle for semi-pithy responses to things. Okay. Well, but you see the whole thing about Emma. So Emma is a satire of women at the time. And Emma's whole thing is that she loves knowing what's best for people. And she's like a famous matchmaker. So the movie actually starts with the, you know, the two teachers that meet kind of that plot. They're at that wedding and she, um, and then Ty comes to town and she tries to set her up with the guy and she likes this dumb farmer boy. And she's like, no, you can't marry the farmer. Um, anyway, Cool. <laughs> uh, I'm I'm so disappointed that you didn't like it because I think parts of it are very very funny. No, I mean for me to get into a movie, either it's got to be like you know Michael Bay level of explosions, uh-huh. or I really need to want to go on a journey with the character, and I really didn't care. Yeah. Like, but you I know. think, I don't know, it's satire. You don't have to be invested in the character because it's a satire. So you just sit back and look at how... It's like dramatic irony. Like, you know they're foolish. Yeah, but I mean, I feel like more could have been heightened than around it to to do that. She was... I don't know. It didn't really... Especially given the time period that it was in and all of that stuff, I mean... I didn't feel that a lot of it was heightened to the level to make it satire because that was kind of the 90s. I know. <laughs> like, was, they weren't making fun of nothing. That, that was, like, truth. That was a literal timepiece. That was, that, I mean, for anyone who hasn't seen that movie in a while, I would go back and watch it because if you grew up in the 90s or lived through the 90s because it is so accurate to that time like the serious the super serious intellectual college guy wearing flannel and his boots and um oh can we talk about the thing you're most bitter about is that baldwin All right. wasn't used until the very end of the movie so if you're gonna make a big deal about something in the blurb you better not wait until the last 15 minutes of the movie but that was but it, it. no this is a cultural this is a cultural uh reference it's showing that cultural movement in california and so baldwin was known uh was like known slang like as if and whatever and i don't know if the movie start I mean, so i grew up in colorado so i don't know if it actually 
happened in California before this movie was written or if this movie spurred on the entire like cultural phenomenon that came after that chicken egg I don't know but it's so Baldwin is just a no one culturally relevant thing to come out of this movie then if it's spawned it I did wear a lot of um, plaid skirts pleated plaid skirts and knee high socks I went to Catholic school, so that was pretty much <laughs> what, like what my life was. I saw everybody in pleated plaid skirts and knee-high socks. But I <laughs> I also really like how it just shows the um, the upper class in California. You know, like all of the girls have casts on their noses from the nose jobs that they got. Everyone has a cell phone. And you have to remember, this is 95. So, like, fucking no one had cell phones. And all of these spoiled kids have cell phones. Elton's like, don't you know who my father is? And he's always trying to leave class. Like, it was funny to see how spoiled these Bel Air children are. And then they're going to run our country and our entertainment. Zach Morris did it better. (laughs) Is Bayside supposed to be in California? Yeah. Oh, really? (laughs) But that was like a whole 10 years before. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's a different, this is a different time period. Zach Morris is awful. You know, there's a whole theory going on about how Zach Morris was actually an awful human being. Yeah, and there's also something like that, how the entire cast of Friends were also awful human beings. <laughs> Except for Ross, is the only one who had a job. Um, the, when, the thing I was most surprised about, babe, is that you're a really smart man, and you did not realize that Christian was gay until the last minute. Well, I mean, again, it's because I didn't have a vested interest in anyone in this movie. <laughs> like, the father character was by far my favorite part. <laughs> but he was so stereotypical. He was so poorly drawn as just a stereotypical uh, lawyer that just gets on his phone and yells. He was, but he was, like, still really, like, the only real comic relief in the <laughs> film. Not, it's I a comedy. It's not like he's the only comic relief. My God, you sound so uptight. I, I don't know. I don't think anyone else. Maybe CGI Paul Rudd had a little bit going on. <laughs> I like, you know, his line where, where uh, you know, she says, Lucy, well, I don't speak Mexican. She's like, I'm not a Mexican. And he says, well, she's from El Salvador. She's like, so? He's like, well, you get upset if people think you live below sunset. Those are funny lines, babe. You don't care. Uh, not really. I actually find that our dynamic is very, very similar to Paul Rudd's and Alicia Silverstone's in the movie. You're, you're no fun. I'm all the fun. <laughs> you keep me grounded. <laughs> so that means I'm the funny one? No. I'm the funny one. Well, your favorite line came from the unfunny one, then. <laughs> but it's about me. <laughs> it's a facile argument. <laughs> No, but she says great funny stuff. Like, it's a dress, says who? Calvin Klein. Hilarious. Or James Bond. In America, we drive on the right side of the road. I am. You try driving in platforms. I don't need to retell the whole movie. But she's gonna. (laughs) Anyway, I was laughing through the whole thing. What was that one? You laughed at one line. Do you remember what it was? Oh, the... God, his rant about... Um, Christian in there. He's is it a disco dancing oh, Oliver no, Wilde. No, you laughed reading. before that. 
that was just a lot of homophobic statements strung together. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> no, you laughed at something before that. And it was friend of Dorothy because I haven't take heard hold someone. Of friend of Dorothy. Of, yeah. I have never heard someone under the age of 65 say friend of Dorothy. Oh, yeah. No, a Barbara Streisand ticket-holding friend of Dorothy. <laughs> yeah. Very... He was very obviously gay. If you would, if you were to watch the movie again, not that I'm saying you have to. Good, because I won't. <laughs> if you were to watch the movie again, they make it pretty obvious that he's gay. Like when they're at that party, he's dancing with men. He's flirting with the bartender. So... It's nice. It's one of those movies like you can watch it again and you still get something out of it. <laughs> what do you get out of it? <laughs> that knowing what's best for people is not the best. Yeah. Meddling in people's lives. That's what she learns. To not meddle. To let people be themselves. And she donates her daddy's red caviar to the Pismo Beach disaster. Where even is Pismo Beach? I don't is know. it in California? Probably. Florida? We don't know. We'll have to look it up. But, yeah. Again, I don't think it was just developed as much because, you know, it reminded me a lot of like, oh, this project kind of cruel intentions-esque, but it kind of sat there for a little while because after it didn't go well with the guy at the party... Then there was this pseudo-intellectual crisis that never really went anywhere. What's the pseudo-intellectual crisis? Well, I mean, just she stopped trying to know what's best yes. for a little while. It takes a while to figure that out, Adam. But then she came back to it and everything. It wasn't like a turning point. It wasn't the act break. It was just like, oh, we have another subplot that we're going to introduce. Now we're back. Uh, it's You know, and it's funny how that was a trend, like doing modern high school reinterpretations of old classics, like 10 Things I Hate About You. Oh, how could we forget the masterpiece that is Oh. Oh, God. With Julia Stiles and um, Josh Hartnett as Iago. But and I think it was Mackay Pfeiffer. Probably. Or. His Mackay Pfeiffer was in everything in the 90s. No, 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 it was Sean Patrick Thomas. I think that's his name. Oh, God. Sorry. Podcast. I think. No, he was the one that was in Save the Last Dance. He was in everything. He was like the token black man. But I think Mackay Pfeiffer was oh. Mm. And there was also, and Cruel Intentions was also classic reimagined in high school. Also, the funniest thing. Also sucked. Cruel <laughs> Intentions does not hold up. I tried watching it again and it's not good. Um, what's also hilarious is that they're all like 30 and they're playing 15 year olds. Mm -hmm. um, because places like California actually have child labor laws. Yeah. Whereas, you know, where I was in Iowa didn't. So if, you know, they that was a. It filming mecca of the world we could have had a bunch of work permits and after school made these movies but britney murphy never would have been famous then was it the sterilization line that one's really funny yeah she's like we're trying to think of something okay. good to do for mankind mm -hmm. and paul rudd says how about sterilization oh i see what you're saying about how he has all the funny lines mm-hmm Nope, I'm still, I, no, I'm, I'm going to argue that I'm still the funny one. Much like the movie, the, the inciting incident happened about 10 minutes before the end. 
Aw, you're such a drag. Mm-hmm. And, but you know what? I also think, babe, you need to, like, you just set yourself up to not enjoy something that you think you're not going to enjoy, which is the whole point of doing this podcast, is I want to surprise you and have you actually enjoy something that I make you do. I don't think I necessarily set myself up for this. On As far as movies like this go, cutting my teeth on things like Anchorman, which I think has a lot of the same sort of aims as this one to just be a movie full of one-liners. Mm-hmm. It doesn't try and give you any other sort of cathartic experience. Are you kidding? Ron Burgundy has a cathartic experience. Ron Burgundy has a cathartic experience, (laughs) but he's not trying to move you into having your own cathartic experience. Nothing in Anchorman is trying to get you to rethink your life. It's following the hero's journey, but it's definitely a movie based around the fact that everyone in there is so good at the one-liners, so we're just going to make a vehicle for a bunch of funny mm. zingers. This there was a hero's journey in this too, babe. There was a hero's journey. I She learned something. And I see it she was, was a 16-year-old poorly... dating a college student mm. who's her ex-stepbrother. Which I think I think if I remember correctly that they're cousins in Emma, so that's how they uh, uh, modernize it and make it a little more palatable for our <laughs> um all of our inter, what is that called? Inbreeding laws. <laughs> I think that that was probably high up on the list. Like, I'm how are we not coma. going to get ding for incest laws? Yeah, incest. That's what I'm sorry. I've, I had so much popcorn that I got a food coma. Mm-hmm. So, um, Well, I really thought you'd like it. I really, really thought that you would come around and say that you actually liked it. Is there any part of the movie that you enjoyed? I really can't say that I had an enjoyable experience with <laughs> What about film. the ska band? Yeah. But, I mean, that was another, like, token 90s movie thing of taking a band and putting them in a movie. It's not just token 90s. Remember how many movies <laughs> the Beatles made? Deep tracks only. Yeah, but the Beatles was all like acid trips on film. Like, not that's not true. Hard Days Night, Eight Days a Week. Those are movies that are not acid trips. Those are just a romping good time. Did I just name the same movie? Are those the same movie? Are those two different movies? I can't remember. <laughs> um, will you ever let me force you to watch a movie again? I mean, being in a relationship, I'm sure I'm going to have to at some point. (laughs) No, but usually this is probably, is this the first movie that I've made you watch that you haven't liked, actually? Oh, wait, you didn't like Dangerous Liaison. No, I didn't like Dangerous Liaisons. Yeah. Why didn't you like Dangerous Liaison? Because, again, it was just things I didn't care. I think, you know what? I think you (laughs) let... um, because both of those movies are about like outside trappings and you know the costumes are so good and you just let that stop. You get all judgy and then you don't pay attention. I think it's the same reason that I don't like Downton Abbey. Is this first world problems? 
not necessarily first world problems, but I don't, there's no stakes. Who cares? Who cares? Everybody's going to be fine. The world's not going to end. Nobody's going to die, even though I know they do in Down Abbey. Yeah, babe, don't give away spoilers, because people totally die. Yeah. It's almost as brutal as Game of Thrones. But I'm pretty sure if, like, anyone had that spoiled, they weren't going to watch Down Abbey anyway. <laughs> that might be true. Yeah. It's it's just one of those things, like, I just... There's no external. I've come to the conclusion that I really don't like the, you know, the man versus himself archetype. Okay. Where, like, all the struggle is, like, you know, just, like, an internal to, to him that there's no exterior... What? That's the actual... That's the anti-hero, babe. You yeah. love the anti-hero plot. I do love the anti-hero, but when they're doing things that are outwardly focused... <laughs> like, I don't want to watch, sit and watch someone have a crisis, like, maybe the reason I have no friends is because I try to tell them what to do. Aww. Movie done. Like... <laughs> <laughs> what about the line it's still my favorite you're a virgin you can't drive it's my favorite insult ever did not quite tickle me the way it tickled you I know I laughed through this whole fucking thing and you barely you barely so much as chuckled even politely I mean <laughs> the whole thing is about me having an authentic experience <laughs> and yeah, you are not lying no Damn. One of these days you're going to actually enjoy something I make you do, though, that I maintain that. Well, what was the, um, what was the last TV series that you, quote-unquote, made me watch? That you liked? Mm-hmm. Oh, um, Catastrophe. Yeah, Catastrophe I liked. Barry. Barry. Oh, no, I you wanted to watch yeah. Barry. <laughs> you didn't make me watch Barry. <laughs> oh, you of just, course. You just came home yeah. and said, should we watch Barry? Of course, <laughs> said, because, okay. it, because it's about an, a fucking assassin and also is a male-driven show. And I'm going to say, babe, and this is going to be pretty controversial, but you don't like Clueless because it's a female-driven movie. I have no problem with it being a female-driven movie. It's just a female-driven movie where nothing happens. Yeah, well. <laughs> like... I, I disagree. I think it's some I think it's some deep seated uh, misogyny. I, yeah, I, I that's what I'm saying. No, I just think it's a <laughs> short attention span for people's own personal crises. Like, <laughs> yeah, you basically want to stand up and just be like, handle your shit. <laughs> yes. Like, uh, what is the other show that I made you watch? I don't that know. You liked. I mean, I like Was Firefly that? so far. Yeah, we haven't even we haven't even finished the first episode. No, well, because I got you hooked on Sons, Sons of, of Anarchy. Anarchy. Another male-driven of- show, everyone. Do you sense an imbalance here? And why I have to go so far as make a podcast so Adam will watch what I want to watch? Again, let's look at the different ways that it's going. Jax Teller is having a personal crisis, but it has exterior factors. And he's oh, why? Because he cuts a patch shit. off. Because he cuts a patch off. Ooh, he's out of the club. You haven't been paying attention to this series. (laughs) I have. I'm just saying the constructs are similar. Yeah. It's very like on Wednesdays we wear pink. You know what I mean? I'm sorry. (laughs) Apparently Siri is apologetic for that. (laughs) 
This isn't about you, Siri. I didn't ask how you are. I'm not sure I understand. Yeah, you wouldn't. You made her British, of course. Neither you did. do I. Yeah, well, I want a little class. Wait, have you in watched Mean Girls? Assistance. You haven't watched Mean Girls. Which one? That's the one with um, Lindsay Lohan. Before and she Tina went Fey. crazy. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that. You've seen that. Okay. So then you get the on Wednesdays we wear pink reference. I still don't get it, but that's because when, when she's a part of the there. clique, they're like, and on Wednesdays we wear pink. And that's very like Sons of Anarchy. It's like, and every day we're going to wear what we call a cut. And it's a leather jacket that we've cut the sleeves off and we have little patches. And when you become part of certain different clubs, you get a little pin or you get a patch that you can sew on the left side. And if you're out of the club, we get to take your patches off. Very mean girls, if you really think about it. You make it sound like it's the world's worst troop of Boy Scouts. <laughs> <laughs> Some people like, might think that. I'm sorry. Here's I your really, merit badge. <laughs> I really like the show Sons of Anarchy, but there is a little bit of that, like, the drama of him taking his knife out and cutting his patches off. It's like, girl, I've been there. It's like in mm-hmm. Top Gun where he turns in his wings. Like, it's a big thing. I know, but it's, that's, you know, it's the funny thing about Heavenly Bodies, too, is that a lot of this stuff came from a male-dominated culture that had a lot of uh, structure and symbolism around the clothes that they wear, and then women ended up adopting it. So, like, you know, all of the patches and all of the symbolism of that and the wings and wearing your uniform. So women ended up wearing it, but if you looked at most of the bylines on those things, they were all male designers. <laughs> oh no, it's a trap! Get out! <laughs> like. Yes, well, baby, until we start watching and supporting female writers and directors, much like the movie Clueless, nothing will change. So, are you with me on this or not? I don't know if they're going to continue to make bad movies. That's not a bad movie! Also, Hurt Locker was made by a female director. Hurt Locker was a great movie. Exactly. I'm not knocking female directors <laughs> or female writers. I just, I just maintain that there's a lot of construction issues with Clueless. But so is so same with Starship Troopers or Superbad. Yeah, no, they're terrible movies. I yeah. So what if they're in that same category? Like this is just a for a romp and good time for women. I mean, I don't even think Star Trek. Starship Troopers was a romping good or not, time. I'm like, thinking, I watched that the other day, and I was like, Sorry, oh. I meant Super Troopers. Oh. Hard to keep all of the men that have been, uh, movies that have been made by men, tra- uh, keep track. Oh, dang it. Oh, well, I was going to have such a good quip, and just foiled that I one. I mean, again, Super Troopers was made specifically to be an hour and 30 minute weed joke. This is an like, hour and 37 minutes, and it's mostly uh, California jokes. You know, they had a computer game, and I played it. It was really fun. There was a clueless computer game? Of course game? there was. I'm telling you, this was a cultural movement oh, for gosh. women to become more shallow. <laughs> like, we didn't get it. You don't understand the message. She's so upset. She's like, the whole point. It's like, no, I'm going to wear <laughs> pleated skirts and knee highs and have cute little backpacks. We totally missed the point. I can't. I can't tell whose side you're on on this one. The side of the movie or me? I know. I know. Um, They also made a TV show of it. And I think Dion was the only person to go on. Actually, I think Murray did too. 
Why can't I remember his name? I'm awful. The Scrubs guy. Yeah. But yeah, so no one really moved on. Like it, Alicia Silverstone didn't. She probably should have. Where's she been? I don't know. She was Hollywood's first vegan, though, I'm pretty sure. Oh, well, so we can only assume emaciated somewhere. I know. Well, that happened That happened after, <laughs> was it Fat Man and Robin? Oh, God, I forgot remember, she was in that. Because remember, they said that she was, quote, fat in that. They were like, oh, Alicia Silverstone got fat. And then after that, she suddenly became a vegan. Now, do you really think it was to help the animals? Me neither. No. Alicia Silverstone, if you're watching, I still very much respect and uh, love the work that you've done. So thank you. I'm just still holding on to this, like, you know, <laughs> video thing with the countdowns. And the, <laughs> what do you mean? And no, the I was Alicia speaking... Silverstone, if you're watching. Oh, I was listening. <laughs> <laughs> so I... <laughs> I think right. basically daytime talk show is Katie's ultimate goal. You Absolutely. found it here, outed herself. <laughs> Adam, you can either wear a mask, which would be really creepy, or just stay behind a scrim yeah, and have just, your sassy comments from there. No, just always blurred out face. Oh, blurred out face. Nice. Yeah. You know, Joan Rivers wrote her own E! True Hollywood story, uh, and it was really funny. It was like a satire, and um, there's a woman who keeps talking shit about her like in quick cuts and it's her daughter it's like very obviously her daughter but they blurred her face out it's very funny nice i know gotta love joan rivers she's like yeah, yeah. sure we can do an e true hollywood <laughs> on my terms um okay so i don't know what we're gonna do next but we're gonna have to go out because we did this one in so it's gonna be something out in new york let's just get into the cold season Excited? No. What if it's something that actually involves a treat? Like you know how you're treat motivated. Mm -hmm. This this will a treat will be involved within the experience. Well, I don't want to ruin the treat for me. <laughs> you forever going to associate had, that with the And he never had Klondike bars again. It's <laughs> a new diet plan for me. <laughs> <laughs> for both of us. Just everything I love, like, <laughs> associated with, like, the Heavenly Bodies exhibit. Like, Oh, yeah, you're never having, um, it, was, it wasn't Schmackeries, it was, um... No, Insomnia Cookie. Insomnia Cookie. You'll have Insomnia Cookie. Yeah, no, but that was, like, far enough removed from the experience. Like, if you, like, you know, it's like the mixed signals, like, when you're training a dog. Like, you know, you don't give a dog a treat in the middle of something and then, like, go back to another negative experience because then they're going to associate the... Are you saying that you're a dog, Adam? Yes. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. I'm treat-motivated. Most of the time, I just want my belly scratched. And if I could just lay around and nap most of the day, I'd be a happy camper. I am questioning all of my life choices. <laughs> I mean... I think I was pretty upfront about that. <laughs> <laughs> Adam hates everything.